Welcome to the Gospel According To podcast, the first and only podcast looking at the intersection of pop culture and the Christian faith. I'm your host, Dan Org, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. You may know him as the guy who believes in ghosts, but more importantly, he thinks they need to believe in themselves. You know? <laughs> that's Dave Allahan. Uh, that's me, yes. Uh, one of Ted Lasso's best qualities, wanting everyone to believe in themselves. And... Even even the the undead or or the currently dead. What is a ghost? Ghost is dead, right? I, th- I think that's the yeah. most important question we need to answer up top. <laughs> the gospel according to ghosts. That's what we're we're doing today. Now, uh, we are not alone for this episode. Uh, the gospel according to Ted Lasso. We have a very special guest, and you may know him as the guy who is allergic to horses and radishes, but not horseradish. It's Joe Ash Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, my name is Joe Ash Thomas. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I am the latecomer to Ted Lasso of the three of us, so I'm just like halfway through season two. But I've been watching to enjoy the show and to get gospel themes from it, but also to get good introductions. Uh, <laughs> and I think it was like last night or the night before I watched the one where uh, they make Ted and coach beard make sandwiches for each other and he's like what no horseradish so i was like that's it that's the one right there <laughs> but joe Ash, uh, i think people probably know you for more than your allergies uh if yeah. they know you but you're you're the national director of mobilization and advocate advocacy for uh ijm canada international justice mission um several years ago i heard gary hogan the ceo mm. and founder of ijm speak at a conference and I just fell in love with the heart and the mission behind the organization. So mm-hmm. while we are here to talk about Ted Lasso uh, yeah. and for that conversation, just share a little bit about uh, who, what IJM is, how you got involved and what it is that you're doing with IJM Canada. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't know how you actually knew that I am in fact allergic to horseradish. Um, yeah, the first moving to the U S was the first time I had sushi (laughs) and, uh, you know, someone tricked me into thinking it was just, it's not uh, real sauce. Yeah. (laughs) It's horseradish with green food color. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Discovered (laughs) a pretty strong reaction to it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so it definitely felt seen when you said that, but yeah, uh, I've had the joy of working, uh, with international justice mission all over the world for the last eight years, uh, three different countries, uh, currently serve on our leadership team in Canada, uh, leading our church partnerships and our government advocacy work here in Canada across the country. Uh, So, yeah, I get to travel across the country, preach at Canadian churches uh, and invite everyday Christians to step into the fight of seeking justice with God and the global church and IJM teams around the world. Uh, Yeah, IJM is the world's largest anti-human trafficking organization. We've been around for 26 years. Uh, We work in uh, close to 30 countries around the world. Um, Over the last 26 years, we've helped rescue over... 87,000 people from slavery and trafficking uh, with um, and, and also violence uh, like sexual violence and other forms of violence. Uh, we've also helped protect over 10 million people from ever being trafficked or subject to violence in the first place. Wow. And awesome. uh, yeah, and you know, uh, our 2030 vision is to protect half a billion people from ever being mm-hmm subject to violence in the first place. Uh, we do this work as Christians because we believe that the God of the Bible is the God of justice who invites us uh, to make all things new with him. And uh, yeah, it's a joy to get to do what we do. But, you know, just for context, uh, everything that I say here today uh, is, uh, you know, just as Joe Ash Thomas, uh, not <laughs> representing the organization in this conversation, but I love getting to do the work that we do with IJM. Same. And that accounts for all of our my past uh, things I've ever said. They do not represent my church. <laughs> I, I actually am speaking on behalf of IJM, just so everybody knows. <laughs> right. right. You're the fall guy today. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, are you big, big soccer football guy, Joe Ash? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm a huge Chelsea fan. I might actually try to go see him in Atlanta. Um, I'm, I live in Toronto, but I lived in Atlanta many years. Chelsea's coming back Atlanta. 
uh, as is Wrexham. Wrexham's coming to North Carolina. Okay. So, uh, yeah, huge soccer fan. Uh, played all the FIFA games since, yeah. goodness, 2000? Um, no, okay. actually 1998. Uh, so, yeah, huge, huge soccer fan. Do you play soccer at all? Uh, on the Xbox. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the athletic genes didn't really come down from my, from my parents who were both great athletes. Uh, so I played cricket, played soccer. Some, uh, was never really great at it. You know, it was, it was okay for the neighborhood, but not good enough to be first team in school. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite of you. Not that I'm good at soccer, but I played and have played mm. soccer much more than I've ever followed professional soccer, uh, wow. or, you know, football on the international stage that now I coach, uh, a U 10 team. Uh, we had our first loss in league play in mm. two and a half years on Sunday. Wow. So that was hard, but, uh, played, wow. played soccer going, you know, that was, became my sport growing up, uh, played in middle school and then high school was kind of first off the bench type person, not, not a star, but gritty, gritty player, uh, you know, try hard, uh, player. But you have a, that you have a better record than Ted Lasso as a coach. I do. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. For soccer anyway, but we'll see. They moved us up three flights. So we're, we're starting to face some competition now what, that we the real it. question though is what kind of girls are you developing on your team because as ted lasso taught me you can win even when you score less goals than the other team and absolutely. you can lose even when you score more so that is absolutely the struggle of a <laughs> development soccer coach is the balance between you know you want to put it on the field it's kind of like as a pastor like you would love for your church to be growing and have lots of people in it and that doesn't mean it's fully successful that doesn't mean it's a full win but it can mean those things like <laughs> if we're losing every game 20 nothing uh that's can be demoralizing and make girls never want to play soccer again and <laughs> right. so you know part of my mantra is i want them to i don't want to be the last coach they ever have mm. um so i want them to continue on soccer after i'm you know, done coaching, uh, uh, that they move on to middle school or high school, uh, soccer, but nice. Yeah. My, my soccer history is, uh, very short lived. I played for one year and my only real memory from it is snow cones. <laughs> the, full yeah, snow cone. Play half the game, get a full snow cone. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the ball going out of bounds and I did not agree from my vantage point, it stayed in. And I remember like yelling at the ref about it. And then I like ran closer to the ball and it was like very clearly out of bounds. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a stupid like seven year old kid yelling at the ref here. Um, and then in high school, all of my friends who played soccer, I went to a small Christian school. They wanted me to play because I was fast. But I just, I'm a fairly athletic person from like the hips up. Like my feet just don't translate. They can move fast, but like I can't dribble a soccer ball at, to save my life. Play keeper. And even like I could have played keeper, I guess. Mm. But, yeah. All right, moving on to Ted Lasso. Though we Ted got a Lasso. question. What What are your guys' thoughts on T? <laughs> T. Yeah. I so I've uh, fairly mixed opinions as an Indian. Uh, chai okay. is pretty big in our culture. Uh, right. In fact. Uh, you know, and when I worked with IJM in our offices in uh, South Asia, um, you know, every every day at 3 p.m., there'd be a chai break, mm. uh, you know, right after your lunch break, a chai break where the whole office pauses to drink chai together. And there's something really beautiful and relational about that uh, that we don't often see in Western workplaces. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I embraced coffee. A lot, but as I've been kind of learning to embrace my ethnic identity more and more over the years, I've gone more and more to chai. Uh, but I can't do English tea. English tea is disgusting. Uh, you've got to do it the Indian way. I fully agree with Ted Lasso that tea is horrible, absolute garbage water. I don't know why you do that. Yeah. Uh, a recurring thing throughout the show, and every time I, I'm with him, like I I'll drink iced tea you know, or sweet tea because it's, you know, just sugar water. Right. Um, but hot tea, I'm like, I should 
want to drink this. Like I should like it. I'll like buy bags and be like, oh, maybe this is the flavor. Maybe this is the time. No, it's every time it's <laughs> um, I feel the same way. To be honest with me, it's a prank, right? The tea, like when tourist folks aren't around, you know, you know, it tastes like garbage, right? And that's how I feel like when people are ordering tea and like drinking tea. Yeah, I am. I actually feel stronger about my distaste for coffee than I do for tea. Wow. Um, I know I'm a I'm an anomaly that way. Although, Dan, you don't drink coffee either. No, we're like energy drink. Uh podcast yes so we're looking for our energy drink uh, monster sponsor. energy monster. not a sponsor yet um <laughs> uh, but yeah i found the the monster rehab which is the you know there's a very low amount of sugar in it so i feel like it's a it's healthier yeah. of an option there um i don't want to i don't want to overstate it and call it healthy but it's healthier uh, because of less sugar but i do i the, my thing is i don't like hot beverages i probably drink like half a dozen to a dozen hot drinks a year and that's it even wow. in the winter like just give me a bottle of water that's fine like I'll, I'll be all right um i'll have you know a couple hot chocolates and i'll have some tea i actually i do enjoy tea though i tried to kick my monster habit and i got english breakfast bold tea because it had more caffeine i'm like maybe this will like help with the caffeine stuff and it's like it's not it wasn't I I don't feel strongly as Ted Lasso or you, Dan, about it, but I couldn't it didn't stick. But I still think it was more because it's hot and I don't drink hot beverages. The taste doesn't bother me that much. Wow. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've come to appreciate hot drinks more after moving to Canada than before. Uh, so that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We're, we're all evolving. Yes. If I move further north at some point, actually, if I move further north at some point, my wife will probably leave me. I don't think she, she, <laughs> she said to, to go me, in the opposite direction. She wants to go in the opposite direction. She said this year, uh, I can't handle one more New Jersey winter. And Joe Ash, I don't know if you've been paying attention to New Jersey w- weather or not this winter. Probably not. It has not been cold. We didn't zero any- snow zero snow we had a few days that were like below freezing but probably i could count them on one hand um so this was a very mild winter and i'm like you can't do one more you didn't even do one this winter like but yeah so i can't move further north that's like spring here uh anything below freezing basically (laughs) yeah so joe ash you love uh you enjoy ted lasso the reason why we're we're even doing this is because of a, a tweet you had wanting to talk about uh some of the themes of ted lasso what what do you think drew you into the show that is now in the third season yeah i think um you know the timing of the show's uh, release especially season one uh was very profound and poetic i think you know because if you look at Ted Lasso and the themes that it touches on, I think a primary theme um, is life and death, right? And uh, this is characterized with the striker, Danny Rojas, and his favorite line, which is football is life, right? Until the beginning of season two, hopefully you watched that by now. This was like two years ago, but, uh, but you know, beginning of season two, he uh, kills a dog and uh, by accident, you know, while, while shooting a penalty kick and, uh, and then start saying football is death. Um, that's when, you know, Coach Lasso realizes that, uh, or the coaching team realizes that they need more support that they can offer. And that's where Dr. Sharon comes in. But, you know, it's uh, this constant theme of life and death. And I think um, the first season of Ted Lasso came out in 2020, if I'm remembering correctly, during the pandemic, uh, you know, when we were surrounded by this culture of death, right? And, all of a sudden, this show brought life uh, in the pandemic, and it's continued to bring life as we're lifting our heads after the pandemic as well. And um, yeah, it's it's hopeful, it's light, it's optimistic. Um, mm. You know, I feel like Ted Lasso is the perfect embodiment of uh, common grace in pop culture mm. in many ways. I see him as an avatar of Jesus in pop culture. So we can go down all those rabbit trails. Uh, but uh, yeah, I- I've been writing a lot of seminary papers about this, as you can tell, uh, <laughs> because there really but it was, is. It's refreshing. Yeah. His character is refreshing yeah. that we've had so many of these last years and some of the, even the best shows where the main characters are like 
anti-heroes. You know, mm-hmm. we had, you know, Breaking Bad and then, you know, some of these other um, action or fantasy shows mm-hmm. where they're all characters that are developed that all have flaws. And, you know, Ted Lasso, we'll, you can get into those, too. But this idea that the the optimist, that the person that is trying, um, you know, to love even when it's hard to show grace, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, is is I found it refreshing the the upbeat you know poppiness of it especially in the first season of you know wanting to root for this guy that wasn't going to let the dissenters wasn't going to let his situation that seemed like he was set up to fail dissuade him from doing what he thought was his job which was developing men was developing relationships uh, not necessarily winning or losing but the confines of he loved coaching and yeah, it was just like a breath of fresh air in the landscape of what uh, media and television and movies have seemed to be recently. Yeah, yeah, I think there is uh, there is a draw. I I feel the draw to like the antihero and the complicated figure. Um, but I think there was something refreshing about Ted Lasso and his optimism. And and I think as the you know, early on, we are introduced to like the his home life dynamics and his relationship with his wife. And like, it's not just rosy uh, all over the place. And that that kind of the complexity does develop as the seasons move on with Ted. But he presents as very optimistic and I think is optimistic and hopeful uh, really to his core. And, you know, that that first season ends with that. um his kind of like halftime speech to his team about hope and the the saying of the town that it's the hope that will kill you. And I really th- like that hit me. And I think Joash, your point about this coming out during 2020 um, mm. really that like struck me as I think something that we were a trend we were on before the global pandemic, but then that just hastened by a lot of cynicism. And mm-hmm. we just are all so very cynical Uh, It's kind of our default. Uh, I think it's viewed not just as normative, but like it's safer to be cynical than it is to be hopeful and to to believe in something in today's world. And so that hope that he is advocating for that, you know, it's not the hope that will kill you. It's actually it's the exact opposite of that. definitely strikes me as very, very biblical, uh, very Christ-like that it is, it is better for us to hope in something. Uh, and as Paul says in Romans five, you know, that hope will not disappoint. And I think that, so that really captured me as something that speaks to our, our current moment. Love that. Ted Lasso is one, is the person we all need in our life as far as an encouragement, an encourager, and something that in the last few years, I've noticed that I'm not always the best at, um, but it's it's so needed. I think of I had the quote um, when he's talking to Jamie and he says, Jamie, I think you might be so sure that you're one in a million that sometimes you forget that out there you're just one of 11. And if you just figure out some way to turn that me into us, the sky's the limit for you. So often coaches in media are like the yelling, the screaming, like we have to be perfect, you know, like, you know, break the players. And he is always looking for the good. And even when his star player, Jamie, is, you know, selfish brat and like his selfishness is detrimental to the team uh, a lot. uh, But he's encouraging him in a way that is uh, gentle, is um, a rebuke but not one where you're coming out of it hating your coach, but you're wanting to feel inspired to want to live up to that Mm. potential that they're imparting into you. And if in life, if we did more of that, of uh, Hebrews 10, I always think of, you know, do not give up meeting together somewhere to do, but uh, encourage one another towards love and good deeds that as Christians, are we doing that? Like, are we, encouraging pushing one another towards love and good deeds or are we pulling each other down Mm. (laughs) away from that away from god or to make us feel better you know we're all in the same low level rather than pushing each other to be more christ-like that's so good yeah and this is one of the reasons why ted's character reminds me of jesus uh the similarity that i see there from a christological standpoint is everything that ted lasso touches comes to life 
right? Like he he moves to this club that's dying, that has a dying culture, that has a duplicitous boss, prima donna players, angry captains, right? Uh, and you know he he starts to build this team around him, uh, and everyone that he touches uh, comes from death to life. You know, like even broken relationships that you see in mm-hmm. season one, like Jamie Tart and uh, Roy Kent. You know, just can't get along for whatever reason. And then not to spoil too much, but by the time you get to season three, you start to see beautiful moments of reconciliation between the two of them uh, and, and brotherhood that's shaped uh, because of the team environment that Ted Lasso has created, this environment of life and uh, encouragement and hope, um, which, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's so countercultural to how so many locker rooms I'd imagine today are, or even workplace environments that tend to be toxic. Yeah, I think that's good. The The past, I feel like the past few episodes, maybe because we were around like Easter time, uh, but we've talked about how Jesus came and changed that paradigm and that worldview where the assumption was that that which is unclean is contagious, but Jesus came and it was his purity that was contagious. And Ted Lasso, I think, has has that quality about him as well, that he's not going to look at a toxic environment and allow himself to be contaminated by that, but instead is going to bring life into that. And I think uh, even you know the situation, the reason why he's brought there by Rebecca is to fail and to to lose and then when that is brought up to him his response is not to uh, you know grow vindictive or to be upset or to feel defeated but he immediately Mm -hmm. offers grace and forgiveness to her and breathes life into this woman who has been beaten down and so yeah Mm -hmm. I, i love that uh that embodiment by by ted lasso and there's that persistence of grace that he gives uh, how often in our lives where we confronted with someone that's being a jerk to us and we're just like, okay, if you don't want to be around me or whatever, fine, you know, go your own way. But he continues bringing the biscuits to her. He continues um, to, you know, the mantra. I think you have it on a hat or a shirt of love anyway, of like, mm-hmm. regardless of how it's going to return to me or not return to me, I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose grace and be obedient in that way towards those that are around me. And, you know, in this case, he's just he's trying to win them over as a friend and as a colleague and as somebody on his side and on his team and the way that he's coaching. But in our life that we're called to win people over to uh, the kingdom, that they would know we're Christians by our love, that we would show love in action, not to elevate ourselves, but to elevate the kingdom and elevate the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is that when you lead in such a vulnerable way, the reality of broken humanity in the fall is that people will take advantage of you. Right. That yeah. will happen, right? And um, especially as as leaders, when you lead in a vulnerable way, people will do that. And that does happen to Ted Lasso as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are people close to him who betray him. Uh, there are people, um, you know, who take advantage of uh, his his niceness and his kindness. Um, but he still puts himself out there in a very, uh, what Dallas Willard would call unguarded earnestness kind of way, mm-hmm. right? Like you're unguardedly earnest in putting yourself out there, leading vulnerably, uh, because at the end of the day, you're not choosing perception, you're not choosing success or victory, you're choosing faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And faithfulness means putting yourself out there. Now, obviously, not to justify abuse or, you know, uh, any, uh, not, not to tell people, hey, like, expose yourself to injustice, you know, obviously, there's a power dynamic here where Ted Lasso is in charge, he's a leader. Uh, and so, you know, him putting himself out there, has different connotations from maybe someone else like Sam Obisanya doing that. Right. Uh, but, uh, but you know, as, as, uh, as much as we can and as much as it's healthy and wise and prudent, uh, you know, it, it is good to uh, just lead in a vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this is another one of my go-tos, but I heard uh, somebody, I forget where I, who I stole this from at this point, it's become my own, but uh <laughs> Drop it they in the call- comments if you're the person Dave stole <laughs> yeah. this from. They they talk about um, 
making elbow room for other people that you it's up to the leader to lead with vulnerability. If you expect the people that you're leading to be vulnerable, then that has to start with a person up front. And I think at, in part because of those power dynamics that you're talking about, that if if mm. we're just asking people to be vulnerable with us, but we're not offering that in response, mm. that very easily can turn into manipulation and coercion. Uh, but if we are setting that example and there's a reason why they call it vulnerability, right? <laughs> because people can hurt you with that, but you have to lead with trust and make that elbow room for other people so that they can follow uh, follow suit. And uh, that that leads to healthier group dynamics for sure. So good. So Joe Ash, this is the question everybody has been, you know, waiting 25 minutes to hear. What is the gospel according to Ted Lasso? Yeah, yeah, such a great question. I would say the gospel, according to Ted Lasso, is that everything moves from death to life. Mm. Everything moves from death to life, especially with the right team. Mm. Um, and so I'm going to point this back to the Trinity. That's the right team, right? A team mm. that is diverse, unique, of uh, three and one working together. Right. And and they bring things from uh, Trinity brings thing. Triune God brings things from death to life. Yeah. Uh, and I see that in Ted Lasso. It's it's this one guy showing up, putting together the right team uh, and then moving things from death to life. And, and you have this hope watching the show, even if you're not caught up on season three, uh, you know that, you know, things will get better because Ted Lasso's there and he's built the right team around him where the the rotten folks have self-selected out and the good folks have opted in and uh and you know they're they're committed to bringing things from death to life not just externally but also internally uh you know because like you said earlier losing on field doesn't mean you're losing off field necessarily because you know, how are we defining winning at the end of the day, right? So I would say that's the gospel according to Ted Lasso. Everything eventually moves from death to life with the right team. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we feel unworthy of being on that team, right? Mm. That we feel like, man, I am wow. I am a Sunday league player, but I'm being asked to be on this premier team with the mm. Trinity, you know, uh, but I think that's the beauty of in the same way uh, Ted Lasso having faith in his players and in his colleagues. And, you mm. know, in the beginning, him having faith in Nate, where he's the water boy, the, the kit manager. Mm. And he's saying, no, come in here and join our discussion when that wasn't his job. That's not what he was hired for, that no other team uh, on their level, on their flight, is going to be asking their kit manager input on strategy for a game. But he's believing in people. He's seeing the good in people in the same way that Christ of anybody that has ever existed could have done it himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like team of one or that team of three, you know, the Trinity, and what does he do? He invites people alongside him. He invites the disciples. He has his inner circle. He's constantly drawing people to him and saying, no, now you go and do it. Now you do the same things I've been doing, even greater things you're going to do. And I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave my spirit with you. And it's wow. like he he's invited us to that team. But like, I don't know, as a pastor, I feel ill-equipped so, so often that there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, a hundred people there listening to what I have to say. And I'm like, oh, man, just read your Bibles, guys, for yourself, you know, and check <laughs> me to make sure that, you know, I'm trying to line up with Scripture. But, yeah, that whole team aspect is what the Trinity does and invites us into that to be sons and daughters. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, and I think it, that uh, where you started, Dan, it works in the the opposite as well like like you can use anyone right that you might feel ill-equipped and who am i to do this but then there's like roy kent who he's done it all and he's the big name uh but then you know at the end of season one for the sake of the team he has to take a spot on the bench and he comes in for like one play and and that's it and so i think 
we can feel that way sometimes too. Like, well, I'm the pastor or I've been a Christian for this long and who are you? And, you know, I do that humility that was hard to come by for Roy. Um, but, and also comes so naturally to Ted of like, oh, you're the kit manager, but you have an idea. Let me hear it. Like, I think we have to model that. And then Joash, you mentioned like, how are we defining winning? And I think through the gospel we see, and through Jesus, through even Paul's words, we see that winning, part of winning is the community effort to get there. Mm. Not just, not just the result, but the process matters as well. And Mm. maybe they could have won more games if they just let Jamie do Jamie things and score all the goals, but for their long-term success and for Ted Lasso's vision of success, which is men on and off the, the field, he had to become a team player for sake of the team and for everybody. And it wasn't just, well, you know, what's our win loss draw column say it's who who are we becoming as people? And I think, you know, that, that is what matters in the kingdom of God as well. Not just how many people are we getting to our church or how much money are we getting them to give to our nonprofit, but our lives being changed. And are we inviting people into that process? Um, You know, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation that we are to call other people in to this process with us. And really that is the victory is when we're Mm -hmm. able to have people, you know, join us on this journey. Yeah, that's so good. And just to add to that, uh, to expound on what you just said, what we do is important. You know, all of us are in ministry doing amazing things. What we do is absolutely important, but at the end of the day, it's how we do it. That that really matters. Right. And uh, that's that's what really matters to God as well. Who are we becoming in the process of doing these things? Um, yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why we at IJM call ourselves a community of spiritual formation uh, for the exact same reason. We say that you know as we seek to go and transform the world and do all these amazing things, uh, we're also opening ourselves up to be transformed by the Spirit uh, in community as we do these things together uh, in communion with God. So, yeah, so good. Yeah, it's the, it's the way we go about things a lot of time, and that's what we see with uh, Ted Lasso. Like, he's going about it. His lessons aren't just told, you know, they're lived out. That we see, we see the glimpse of him walking through the streets and people being mean to him. Uh, calling them names that um, Dave would say on this podcast, but I won't. Uh, uh, but him, you know, with that relentless positivity and kind kindness that he's showing that he's dribbling the ball with the the girl on the street on the way um, to and fro that he's, you know, bringing in the street musician to the charity event when they you know miss out. Like he's connecting with people, you know, soccer coaches at the premier level, I doubt, um, super often do with the the cities that they're in that he's um living those things out and preaching and you know coming back to what what's the wind but like how is the wind that you know i don't know if dave said it on the podcast or before is like you know you can win the match but lose at the end of the day or you mm-hmm. can lose the match and win at the end of the day and as a, a coach of eight, nine-year-old <laughs> girl soccer players. That's so true that I'm trying to instill that on them that like at the end of the day, yeah, the other team, they always want to, they love complaining about like, this girl elbowed me. This, you know, this girl said this mean thing to me. I'm like, well, we can't control what they're doing. Like, but we're going to try and, and try our best. And, you know, if we put things that we practice into the game, Wow. And at the end of it, that that can be the win that at the end, we're going to say good game. We're going to slap their hands nicely. We're not even if they want to like <laughs> aggressively slap our hands that we're going to mm. no, we're going to slap their hands. We're not going to say bad things about them. Uh, and um, we're going to feel good about the what we did on the field at the end. And all of these things carry so many life lessons outside of sport uh, for us, of, of how we're doing things and and American mindset is so often results based rather than okay am i maybe our profits were only five percent better not ten percent better but we left a lot of people happy and we had did it with integrity uh, our job and our workplace 
I have some games for us to play, Joash, but I I, I want to make sure that you uh, you were able to fully anything that you wanted to speak about Ted Lasso and his intersection with Christian faith that you, you feel like uh, you got that off your chest. Yeah. If I could just speak to Nate real quick. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nate the great. Nate the great. Yeah. And uh, uh, sorry if I'm going to ruin this for those of you like Dave, who haven't caught up in season <laughs> three. Yet. You could skip ahead. Spoilers. You can yeah, skip t- ahead. It's interesting with Nate. So like you said, uh, Dan, you know, Ted finds Nate, um, you know, and empowers him to join his coaching staff and have a seat at the table. And uh, Ted's the one who originally discovers the wonder kid. Right. And then um, over time, because of things going on in Ted's life, Nate feels a little abandoned, neglect. um, And he has his own issues because of his family of origin. Um, Yeah. And so you, you have this interesting, uh, dynamic uh especially this relationship between nate and rupert that you see toward the end of season two uh where rupert is almost like a serpent-like figure from the garden to me Uh, he's dressed in black uh he hovers over nate's shoulder and uh whispers things into nate's ears that makes nate smile you know and otherwise nate's very serious looking but he smiles whenever rupert whispers these things into his ears uh, and it's interesting. You also see the character progression of Nate all through season two, where he's completely black hair at the beginning of season two. And by the end of season two, he's like completely grayed out. Right. Because it's to me, as someone who works on justice issues around the world, it's this reminder that, uh, injustice doesn't just hurt the oppressed. It also hurts the oppressor. It also devalues their humanity. It also mm. ages them, you know, yeah. because that's not who God created them to be that's not why god put them on earth um and and they're listening to that rupert figure the the evil one right who tries to uh deceive them and twist their minds against the good one ted lasso uh in this case uh yeah and you see that in season three as well you know rupert's got his hands into nate where even when nate wants to do the right thing uh, Rupert's there to deceive him, manipulating, manipulate him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So just wanted to call out that relationship dynamic as well. Cause as much as there's good in Ted Lasso, there's also this underbelly of evil that you see come to a climax at the end of season two, mm-hmm. for sure. And that struggle that we all have in us, right. Of, of, are we going to be allow our flesh or the evil one to manipulate us into something that, feels good you know like having that power for nate feels good you know being promoted being recognized you know Mm -hmm. having control feels a part of his flesh feels good but then you start to see the cracks in it for him too where he's like Mm. but man it when i had somebody that believed in me when we were having fun when he cared about me as a person not just a not just as a tool to win soccer um games and get back at his ex-wife um but somebody that it was beyond just the soccer. Uh, you start to see him, and we'll see how the season three ends, but uh, we start to see those cracks in it for him. And now uh, Dave has a word uh, from our sponsor that's sponsoring this episode of The Gospel According To. Hey, listeners. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are so happy to have Faithful Counseling as a sponsor all month long. As you know, and Ted Lasso finds out, life is hard, and often incredibly so. Even if you aren't going through a divorce after just moving to a new country, learning to coach a new sport, work, schooling, parenting, and relationships offer enough stress to make life feel unbearable at times. I have found that talking with a licensed and trained professional can help ease that burden. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with thousands of trained therapists across all 50 states. They are accessible through video or phone session and even chat and text with therapists who specialize in stress, anxiety, trauma, family conflicts, and more, there's definitely a therapist for you. You can stop or switch therapists at any time. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. And they even have a special offer for listeners. Those who go to faithfulcounseling.com TGAT receive 10% off their first month. 
You want to be the best version of yourself, and Faithful Counseling wants to help. Thank you again to Faithful Counseling for sponsoring the Gospel According To podcast for the month of May. Now back to our episode on Ted Lasso. So, Joe Ash, would you like to play some games? Yes, I'll end. All right. All right. <laughs> we, we are bringing it back to one of our, our favorite uh, games uh, here, and it's called Will It Preach? Oh, nice. Is this, this is the first the... time we've had a guest play Will It Preach? I don't know. We'll have to uh, see. Wow. So this is uh, the Ted Lasso or Needs Tabasco um, version of Will It Preach. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a um, you can co-op that you can work together on this, Okay. but I'm going to give a quote, a Ted Lasso quote from the show. And you're going to tell me, will it preach? Well, this could this be a quote that you use in a small group, in a sermon? uh, And what would the context be? What what would you be talking about in the larger picture of that? Or you can just say. No, it's too spicy. (laughs) uh, Love it. Let's do it. All right. First one we go. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's so interesting. Um, I mean, feel free to disagree with me here. Okay. I would say it, I wouldn't use that only because um, it can be easily manipulated uh, and it can be used to manipulate people and telling them, Hey, something bad happened to you? Forget about it. Just let go. Right, when, right. You know, life's not often that simple. But that's just me. Yeah. No, I I see that there is that can be very easily manipulated. Where you know someone, or even like spiritual bypassing, like mm. oh, just forget about it. Let's move on. Like God will work all things together for good. Like just mm. kind of using that spiritual language to move past something that actually we should be dwelling on, mm. but. If it were to preach, (laughs) I did, I did think of, um, Paul in, uh, Philippians three, where he kind of, he lays out at the beginning of that chapter, his resume, uh, so Mm. to speak. And then he says, but whatever gain I had, I count, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Um, and then a little bit further down, he says, not that I have already obtained this speaking of the power of the resurrection or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because of Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And what I like about that is I think even with Ted Lasso's quote and Paul's there forgetting what lies behind, I think there's plenty of stuff we want to forget. And that's what we think we have to be a goldfish about. But we have to be a goldfish about our past successes. Paul just Mm. is laying out. This is if anybody has a reason to boast in the flesh, it's me. And here are all the reasons. But I forget that I'm a goldfish. Even my victories, I'm forgetting. And all that I remember is who I am in Christ. Clearly, Dave is the better preacher, the better Christian here. I consider them poop pieces. Now, I, Josh, I will tell you, Dan has trained me. The I think it was it was one of an earlier time where we played. Will it preach? Uh, I was just like, no, that won't preach. And I'm like, and I I felt like that was the right answer. And even <laughs> I, I feel like you you bring. Uh, solid points to why this won't preach, but it doesn't make for the best radio. So I had, I have to, <laughs> nice. it, it's kind of like, it's like improv. It, Love I think it. it's just, yes. And <laughs> Love it. All right. Next quote. There's two buttons. I never like to hit. All right. And that's panic and snooze. Hmm. Yeah. Will yeah. it preach Joe Ash? Absolutely. And I'm actually going into therapy mindset here with something my therapist okay. told okay. me a while ago, which is, Hey, Joe Ash, you know, human tendency is to choose fight or flight. Mm. And I think that's what panic or snooze is. Panic is mm. fl- fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a snooze is uh, flight, uh, just kind of shut down. But there's always a third way. There's always a fourth way. Yeah. And in a situation like that, take a step back, ask the Holy Spirit, how are you leading me? Uh, and and come up, try to think of those other answers. So I would say, yes, uh, it will preach. Um, and I'll also throw in some political theology kind of uh, thing here. You know, Christians also think that 
Christians often think, especially in North America, that there are only two choices. What? Uh, it's a binary choice, right? It's it's uh, fight or flight, uh, you know, panic or snooze. Uh, but you know that kind of binary political thinking, uh, political theology, I think, is inconsistent with the Christian faith because if the Christian faith has taught us anything, it's that there are always other solutions just waiting to be explored. So mm-hmm. absolutely, that does preach to me. What I can tell you is that without the exception of the wit and wisdom of Calvin and Hobbes, not much lasts forever. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to take this one and say that it will preach because on Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday as we record, I started a class at our church uh, going through Alan Noble's book, You Are Not Your Own, Belonging to God in an Inhuman World. And I, in the notes that I gave out to our people, I added a strip from Calvin and Hobbes. So uh, uh, the great philosophers of our time. And I think, yeah, they nail it. Yeah. It would... has nothing to do with preaching it, Dave, that you just yeah. put the comic in your... Oh, I talked about it. I didn't just like leave it there as an Easter egg and make everybody wonder why it was there. I, we don't have visual That's not the point of here. this quote, though. <laughs> here, let me let me help you out here a little bit, Dave. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, you know, I, I think you can use it to preach. Uh, I'll say exactly what Dave said, and then I'll also add... Make Calvin John Calvin and make Hobbes Thomas Hobbes <laughs> and bring their teachings to the front and you might have something there. I'm going to say nothing lasts forever except for uh, the eternal love things of Jesus of God. Christ. Yeah. All right. You guys Fair both enough. failed that last I, one. We I've just got, we got Jesus. Fair enough. I think is what happened. <laughs> hard, to, hard to recover from that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, next one. I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. This feels like a solid leadership, uh, like instruction, more than like a uh, necessarily a Sunday sermon okay. thing. But like staff you know, meeting, like a uh, TED talk. Yes, a TED talk, or uh, if you will, you just because you just got a whole lot of TED listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, if if you're talking to an elder board or to the senior pastor or to anyone in the leadership position, I think that principle is a good one because I've been the leader before. I won't point the finger at anybody else. I've been the leader who's asked for feedback, gotten feedback and been like, that's dumb. We're not doing that. Why did you even bring that up? And I like invited the brainstorm and then brought the umbrella as well. And I think as leaders, we should invite feedback and we should listen to it all. I don't think obviously we don't do everything everyone suggests, but we have to be open to it for sure. Wow. I actually have nothing to add to that. That was so good. Yeah. Um, That's the end of the podcast, actually. We're done. (laughs) And I know for me, like, I'm scared. And well, we are, you know, we're scared of failure. And so we, um, we forget that. And that, that's a Ted Lasso lesson too. It's like, we're scared of failure. Mm. And so we don't try things. And I think in not trying things and us as leaders bringing that umbrella where we're saying, no, we're not going to do that. That's limiting the growth of somebody else mm. that, um, yes, maybe that event in that moment is going to go off better because we didn't use this person's suggestion, mm. but we're gatekeeping leadership for ourselves. I should be in some ways trying to work myself out of a job that there should be other people that are rising up to want to minister that we're all on the team, mm-hmm. bringing it back to that illustration yeah, that yep. you know, I don't have to do the work of all 11 players on the pitch that I can delegate and we're going to mm-hmm. get more done for the kingdom rather than me gatekeeping that and going back to the definition of what's a win right the win is when we do it as a team not dan has great ideas and how did dan get his great ideas through experience probably because you were allowed to do a lot of dumb ideas and you figured out the best practices and so Mm. giving when you give something to someone else give it to them like let them let it fail and then walk with them through that failure uh, what can we learn better from that next time? And maybe it's things you already knew, but if you told that to them, then what the lesson they actually learn is I'm not as good as Dan and I can never do this. But if they fail and you walk through it with them and say, what can we learn? Then they have actual lessons that they can take with them into the next thing. Uh, and this last quote I had here, but it's obviously would preach doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. 
Yeah. Mm. Sure. Yeah. But. That's yep. That's that's Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have I have our uh, our last game uh, here uh, before we head out. Uh, this game uh, Dave named Ted Lasso. Is he your youth passo ter pastor? Pasto. We're trying to we're trying to pasto. Ted Lasso. He's your pasto. <laughs> All right. So in this game, we're going to take the characters of the show, Ted Lasso, and we're going to assign them roles within our fictitious um, Richmond church, you know, (laughs) Richmond community church. So these characters um, in it, uh, if you have ones, you can just come up with uh, and then maybe give a reason of why you'd want this person in this specific position uh, at your church, how they would do. Um, I'm going to start out. I have Jamie Tart as the pastor's kid. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. it, it, the entitled, you know, think they're above the law, think they can do whatever they want. They don't have to show up for training on time. Um, and then there's that either that arc season two or where he leaves. So, you know, there's some pastor's kids that might leave the faith and then come mm. back. Um, but then we see his development starting to take uh, take some of that role more seriously in being a actual leader in it. And so we see kind of that arc that I've seen for from Pastor Kid. So I have Jamie Tart as the the PK in our church. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, my mind went towards uh, youth group worship leader. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've got the passion, you've got the talent, but... Uh, a lot of times, speaking as a former youth group worship leader myself, there has to be <laughs> maturity that builds over time and you make mistakes, but there are pa- others who are patient with you. Uh, so yeah, but pastor's kid is a really good one. Yeah. Same, same, same kind of vibe, same reasoning. I actually, I had guitarist down um, nice, for, yeah. for Jamie Tart as well. but With the like three pedal boards on stage. <laughs> he's like, he's the one person on the worship band other than like the worship director who is paid to be there, you know? <laughs> like so so he's like he has this air of like yeah i'm 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 not a volunteer like the rest of you guys like i actually know what i'm doing that's awesome good all right you guys got any so i have trent grimm of the independent of the independent um uh, yeah. he is the parishioner at the church who watches and listens to other preachers throughout the week <laughs> that he likes better than his home church pastor. And so at the end of the sermon, he always have has more of a comment than a question about what what you preached. You should have said it like... Oh, oh just, no, you were being Trent Grimm. That he would have said. Yes, I thought you were talking to me. You were talking as Trent Grimm. <laughs> yes. So I got it. I got it. Sorry. I got it. I got it. Miss, miss the reference there. <laughs> I have an easy one. Keely Jones is our social media um, communications. Yep. Runs person. the social media for the church. That's what I have written down. Yes. Yeah. And, and could potentially get the church some sponsors as well. Don't forget <laughs> yes. that. Yes, yes. Yes. For sure. Our, yeah. our communion bread this morning is Strowman's uh, Artisan. Uh, uh, there's coupons in the back uh, for half off your next loaf. So well, if we're a Richmond community church, we're in England. So we might be able to get like a sponsored wine for communion too. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Or Bimbo. Like a... Uh, yeah, yeah, there the you go. The union. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking of um, Coach Beard as okay. uh, executive pastor. Mm. Uh, but I could also see Roy Kent as executive pastor. Uh, they've got, you know, so obviously you've got Ted Lasso as pastor of vision and teaching uh, at a large mega church. And then you've got right. the coach Beard behind the scenes who's, you know, yeah. super knowledgeable, knows all these things. Uh, but I could also see Roy Kent in there because, um, you know, he's the one who gets stuff done. Yeah. Or maybe like the treasurer where he's just like, He's saying no to all of Ted's ideas. There's like, yes. can, yeah, yeah, can we yeah. approve uh, this blimp for our Easter uh, egg drop? And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I like. Let's we'll keep Beard as executive pastor because I had Roy yeah. Kent as like our longest tenured elder. Ooh. So like he's just been around for a while, and he does have like a deep spirituality, but mm-hmm. he's also just very jaded from like being at the church and being in this position for so and long. And blunt. You know, and, he'll and tell you very, what he thinks. Tells you, yeah, tells you what he thinks right off the bat. Yeah. Wow. I have Danny Rojas as my greeter. 
Oh, yes. I, I oh, want him to be the first person yes. people yes. see when they walk up. He's Jesus bringing the life. excitement. <laughs> He's bringing the excitement. You feel like you're welcome there. You feel yes. like there's this energy to your yeah. church um, that you just want to be more a part of it. It's infectious. So mm. uh, Danny Rojas is standing out there opening the door for you, welcoming you to church. And you want him leading that team, right? Oh, absolutely. You want to develop a guy like that into a leader who will yeah, replicate yeah. and multiply. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have Nate the Great, uh, who he's a youth leader who was bullied while in youth group Ooh. and has strong Calvinist leanings. Oh, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> I I had a, well, maybe this is because you're not far enough on it. I had Nate as the youth pastor that then, you know, leaves to start his own church, plan mm. his own church because he's jaded by the you know, the senior pastor and thinks he can do it better. And so he's like, I'm going to start my own church or, you know, I'm going to go be, yeah, yeah. I'm not, no, I, I, I don't want to like be a youth that, pastor yeah. anymore. I'm, you know, I'm the lead pastor now at this other church. We're going to do it right. You had everything, you know, you mm. were missing out on my potential. You messed stuff <laughs> up. The way I'm going to run church is the best way. Wow. I, it's amazing. We all have him pegged as a youth leader, youth pastor, because I had that as well. Uh, so yeah, for me, he's a youth pastor who preaches a sermon that goes viral on TikTok. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. And yes. then he's like, you know what? I can plant my own church. Uh, so somewhere in between, I, I yep, guess I'm bridging yep. Dave's story and Dan's story a little bit here yeah, with the TikTok yeah. viral video. I like it. Uh, I have Higgins as uh, our paid organist, but... <laughs> We don't have a traditional service anymore. <laughs> so, so what does he do in this new? He world? just he's just kind of around, you know. He's kind of on the praise team sometimes, you know. They bring him in for Easter to play, you know, Christ yes, the Lord. Special is risen. services, stuff like that. He plays Amazing. funerals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then another uh, deep deep cut. Uh, May, the the pub owner, she organizes all of our uh, potlucks. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I could see May running a bar on weekends and doing potlucks during the week. Yeah. Uh, at church. Yeah. yeah. Where Where would you put uh, Sam Obisanya? Mm. Uh, I think he would make a great like small small group leader. Yeah. Um, where you know, he, again, kind of with Danny, you know, has that makes you feel welcomed. Um, it's just mm. one of those people you want to be around. So uh, you meet them at church. They inv He invites you to his, you know, small group on Wednesday night. You want to be there just because mm. he makes you feel valued in that little interaction. He's got the infectious smile that um, I want to go to yeah. Sam's uh, small group. I want to be around him mm. uh, as much as I can. Yeah, I think he's in, he's in like that pipeline that churches have yes. where like you're like you see the guy and you're like he's not ready yet to like mm. get up there and preach every week or or maybe even not yet to be an elder or whatever but like we want to invest in him. And so whatever that looks like, you know, let's let's try him out at small group. Let's see how he does as a small group leader. And like whatever he's willing to do, you're like, yeah, like we'll work with you on that because he's just whatever it is, he's got it. And like you mm -hmm. just want to make sure you develop that. I was going to I was going to lean in that direction as well. Future leader being cultivated, uh, intentionally he's, recruited. He's teachable, yeah. right? Yes. He, you know, he, he makes that mess up with uh, Dubai Air and he's yeah. he's willing to say you know, stand up for what he um, finds is right. Isn't, you know, doesn't have to double down on a wrong take or a mess up that he had, but mm -hmm. is, you know, teachable, coachable, wants to do the right thing, wants to grow and learn and change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. What about, I, I struggled with uh, Rebecca Welton because I feel like I, what I wrote down was she's the highest tither in the church, uh, which, <laughs> but, which I think is like, that fits, but I also don't want to like minimize her character to just being rich. Like she, she's more dynamic of a character than, than that. But, but she is also the highest tither in the church. Yeah. I could see her as chair of the elder board or chair of the missions committee because mm -hmm. we work with a lot of missions committee funding. So someone who's had success 
you know, uh, is probably a millionaire, billionaire in the real world. And, you know, just, just likes to serve at church and kind of bring their executive skills to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, is absolutely, you know, could, could be jaded, could be completely jaded until they run into a senior pastor figure like Ted Lasso that they bring on who wins them over and then, you know, starts this journey of, uh, becoming more like Jesus and becoming more vulnerable in the way they lead. Yeah. So totally. Awesome. Well, thank you, Josh, so much for joining us. Is there any you know ways that uh, you want to share about how people can get involved with IJM or something you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So thanks for having me. This was a joy, uh, a lot of fun getting to talk Ted Lasso and theology. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. Uh, it's at uh, Joash P. Thomas. Uh, I also have a Substack called Jesus, Justice, and Joash. Uh, bit of an alliteration play there as a preacher, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Three point uh, sermon. Right. right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you can also find uh, IJM. Uh, if you're in the US, it's IJM.org. Um, or if you're in Canada, it's IJM.ca. And uh, yeah, you can uh, find us on social media as well. But uh, yeah, truly a joy to get to do this with you both and uh, thankful for this conversation. Awesome. Thank you all for listening, being part of the coalition of tea gatters. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms that exist or have ever existed. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, um, Soccer Hooligans Weekly at TGAT Podcast. Thank you for sharing the gospel according to with your family, your friends, and even Liverpool fans. <laughs> you can send us a mailbag question on the, those social media uh, or by emailing tgatpod at gmail.com and we'll answer that either on one of our podcasts here or on our ig lives uh we've been trying to do that monday afternoons on your lunch break take your lunch with dave and dan uh, you can do your part in obeying the great commission by helping us spread the gospel according to podcast. One great way to do that is leaving us a five-star rating and review wherever it is that you listen. That goes a long way in helping other people discover what we're doing over here. But thank you for listening to your favorite Hump Day podcast. This was the Gospel According to Ted Ted Lasso. Lasso. Takes one to know one. (laughs) MVP! 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 (laughs) Left leg! Okay. Yes! Okay, thank you, Ted. Sorry, yeah, no, you were saying, go ahead. Ball! Ball! Give me the ball! I want the ball! Give me the ball! I would like the ball, please! We're no strangers to love. You know the rules. And so do I. Full commitment's thinking He wouldn't get this from any other guy. <laughs> I just want to tell you how I feel. Try to make you understand Never gonna give you up Never gonna let you down Never gonna run around And desert you Never gonna make you cry Never gonna see Never gonna say goodbye Never gonna tell a lie And hurt you Never gonna give you up Never gonna let let you down down. Never gonna run around Deserve you Never gonna make you cry
Wow. I actually have nothing to add to that. That was so good.